Zoe. Um, and as I was reading this passage today, I was struck with the question, what does it mean to make space for the work and for an encounter with the surprising and creative Jesus that we see in this passage? And now I think it's easy to be initially defensive when you hear that question, because it's easy to think of making time for Jesus as primarily time spent alone, as it were, on a mountaintop praying. But I think that this passage forces us to think again about what it means to make time for Jesus. So this passage begins with Jesus hearing of the beheading of John the Baptist. Well, it doesn't begin with that. That's just what happened just before. And he's just heard this as the passage begins, and he chooses to withdraw to a private and solitary place. But despite the fact that he went to an allegedly solitary place, a crowd comes and finds him. And I find what follows interesting, because Jesus had compassion on the crowd and began to heal the sick that were a part of them. The disciples were much more protective of Jesus' time. They gave him a get-out clause. They said to him, Jesus, send the crowds away. They said to him, ask the crowds to go to the village so that they can buy themselves some food. But Jesus rejects the helpful suggestion of the disciples and says, no, they don't need to go away. It's getting late. Why don't you give them something to eat? The disciples were fairly and legitimately confused. We don't have anything to give this crowd. We have two fish and five loaves of bread. But yet, Jesus acts in a surprising and creative way, and somehow or another, this food feeds the, uh, the whole crowd. And so here we see Jesus, who climbs the mountain to be alone, and yet when the crowd comes and follows them, he doesn't ruthlessly ring-fence the time he has set aside for quiet prayer. Rather, he meets the needs of those con uh, that crowd through using the poor offering of two fish and five loaves to feed them and healing them. In the hustle and bustle of everyday life, we see Jesus acting. And once again, the passage goes on, having attended to the needs of that crowd, Jesus once again goes and does find his time to pray. Later, as the disciples sail across the lake, amazed and confused by Jesus' actions, maybe annoyed that they have to commute across the lake to the next place they're going, they cry out and they're afraid because they see what they think is a ghost. Do not be afraid, Jesus responds. And Peter jumps out of the boat and comes to Jesus. But he begins to sink. However, Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand and catches him. And as he and Peter climb into the boat, the wind amazingly dies down. Amazed, the disciples worship Jesus as the Son of God. And once again, we see a remarkable, a surprising, and a creative Jesus. And so twice in this passage that was read for us by Jono, we see Jesus acting in ways, that, in ways and in situations that you wouldn't initially have expected a supernatural encounter of God to happen. The disciples are hoping to wind down for the evening and want to get rid of this crowd full of this hoi polloi they don't really care about. But in this moment, Jesus acts. As the disciples are traveling across a lake, the sort of mundane aspect of traveling, once again, they are met and surprised by the figure of Jesus. 
And I think that this reading is helpful for us as we're in this Advent season. Because I think that this reading suggests that in the busyness and in the frustrations of just everyday life, we shouldn't forget that we believe in a remarkable and in a surprising and in a creative Jesus. And we, that, and we believe that he acts today amongst us. And so it would be great for us as a group as we go about our week, as we go about attending to all of our Christmas to-do lists and appointments, that we remember that sometimes Jesus is closer than we think and acting in ways that will surprise us. Let's pray.